Welcome to the Worldonomics podcast brought to you by the UQES diversity team. My name is Ali and during the semester, Francisco, Abby, Eleanor and I will interview guests about issues that matter. UQES would like to acknowledge both Turbul and Jagaran nations, traditional owners and their custodianship of the land on which this podcast is taking place today. We pay our respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue cultural and spiritual connections to the country. We recognise their valuable contributions to Australian and global society. Welcome to another episode of Academic Corner. In today's episode, we will be continuing our conversation with Marty on his career in forecasting. The next international symposium on forecasting is going to be held in Oxford this year. What are your plans for that? Yeah, going green with friends, first of all. I think that's the um, first thing that I'm looking forward. Um, you know, travelling, going there. And uh, of course, <laughs> on the side, we have uh, presentations. We have amazing program coming up. Uh, I always look forward to forecasting conference, uh, really, and especially this year, because last two years it has been online. We haven't been able to travel and see each other and, you know, brainstorm with other people and get to see each other, get to know new people as well. Oxford University is great to to visit and spend some time there. We have had a lot of amazing researchers that they have you know studied and worked at Oxford. So it would be interesting to to see Oxford. And also this year I'm presenting my research. Basically, that's something that I do pretty much every year. But apart from that, we have some interesting sessions that we are organizing for basically the researchers and practitioners and different interesting plans. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. There are many fun things. And of course, you learn a lot on the way as well in, in forecasting conferences. Oh, that's amazing. I would be looking forward if I was going to Oxford. So continuing from here, Marty. So if some of our listeners are interested in working with forecasting, what career outcomes could they expect? Like, if possible, could you split it into the corporate career and maybe if the academic career? Oh, yeah, sure. So forecasting is a very broad area. It has applications in many different areas. If you want to go to corporate world, forecasting is useful for decision-making in many different things. Like, think about energy industry. You can go there and develop forecasting models. You can go to consultancy firms, they need experts that they know predictive analytics and forecasting. Um, you can go to also the government jobs. You can go to every industry that you think of. Forecasting is useful for them because forecasting is the basic for a lot of managerial decisions. And it's the input for a lot of managerial decisions. So you always want to know what's the demand, what's the sales in future. And based upon that, you want to plan so, yeah, I can't just go through every single of them, but there are lots of other companies that they would need forecasting. And I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Talking about academia, forecasting is a hot topic. And I forecast that forecasting is going to remain a hot topic because you always need it. You're always interested to know what's going to happen in the future. And based upon that, you want to make some decision. So uh, in academia, depending on the research, you can work in uh, econometrics forecasting, economic forecasting, 
You can work in population forecasting. You can work in um, other domains. For example, I talked about energy and I talked about supply chain. Basically, uh, you can talk about you know medical sciences um, you're interested in predicting as well. So depending on the field that you want to be specialized on, there is a room for doing research in forecasting. These are just some of the applications that I mentioned, but I think there's you know, many more and there's a lot of opportunity to work in forecasting in these areas. Yeah, that makes sense. Based on what you're saying, it reminds me when I was working for Procter & Gamble, I was working with sales and we were forecasting and it's quite impressive how simple uh, were the forecasting we were doing on Excel. So how big is the gap between what we're using in, in a corporate environment and where research and forecast is? That's a great question. Well, I, w- I would like to categorize this to two different types of industries. One, we have, you know, basically more kind of advanced and high-tech industries, like, for example, in Amazon, they have a very active research unit and they develop uh, great forecasting models. And the type of forecasting models that they use is different to the forecastings that you might see in small and medium enterprises. The smaller companies, basically, they have, well, they do have a forecasting model as well, but often not a state of art or not very complicated models, much more simple models, which is lagging behind the uh, current state of the art and current research methodologies, basically the latest forecasting models that we see is being used in research. But what you're talking about, what's the gap between them? One important thing is in practice, you don't always apply the most complicated model. In academia and in research, you see that people sometimes, you know, they come up with sophisticated models. It does one or two percentage better or not even one percentage because one percentage sometimes in you know, a smaller error, but even a slightly you know, 0.01, maybe person better. But whether that's worth it to use in practice or not, that's a question that you want to ask because sometimes it is just much better to use a simple model that does the job for you rather than applying a very complicated model that, that is difficult to maintenance and also difficult to develop. Uh, so that's one of the things that I see the gap between uh, practice and academia. But of course, there are other things like... Um, you see that in practice, you want to have a model that is more straightforward and easy to maintenance. And, and at the same time, you know, in practice, people are working with data. Basically, we call it dirty data. There's like a lot of problems in missing values, you know, wrong numbers in your data. And that data, you have to spend a lot of time cleaning the data and uh, you know, basically preparing that for using in your forecasting model. But in, in academia, often people are more interested in developing the models rather than, you know, working on the data. And they assume that they have a clean and nice data set, and then they go and develop some models for that. Well, there are some research, you know, of course, an active research in data gathering and data cleaning and uh, basically uh, preparing data, data modeling. But that's that's a common practice that I see mostly in academia. People are working with clean data set and how to develop a model for those data set. Yeah, so these are two things that on top of my head I can say, but more and more people are working 
together to bridge this gap. And um, actually, in International Institute of Forecasters, they have a lot of you know practitioners and uh, academic researchers that they come along together and they're tackling the problems together to to bridge this gap. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I didn't think on this side, but sometimes it depends on what you want out of your forecasting, right? Oh, very yeah. good, very good answer. And to our listeners, if, if they're interested in working with forecasting, what skills should a good forecaster have? What skills should a good forecaster? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think technical skills, talking about technical and non-technical skills, technical skills, I think, yeah, it's very important for them to understand the statistics. It's very important to have... Um, a good expertise also in coding with Python, R, or some programming languages. Um, and this is very important. I have seen some people that they know how to program because right now, like you, you see a lot of packages in R or Python, you can just take them and implement some machine learning model easily, but they don't know what's going on behind it. They don't understand like what is, for example, uh, this random forest or neural network model. What is that? Um, that's a danger zone. I always tell my students, you got to know what is going behind it. You've got to learn from the first principles. So that's why it's important to know statistics. So knowing your statistics, knowing machine learning and knowing uh, programming, I think these are some of the technical skills that are important. But non-technical skills are as important as well. Like you have to be able to communicate your forecasting with others. Okay, the forecasting that you have developed and the outcomes that you have, why is that useful? Why do you think this model that you have developed is useful? And how do you uh, verify those numbers? And how do you think that this would be the best forecast that we have? And then communicating that, how those forecasts would be useful in decision-making, how it would help us to reduce the cost or reduce the time for something or improve our profit or different things. How does that translate in practice? So that's a very important thing. And you have to really develop your critical thinking uh, skills to be able to communicate that. So yeah, I think presentations and uh, writing will help you a lot to uh, you know, clarify your mind and also have a clear message, what those forecasts are and how you can use them in practice. Um, yeah, I think these are some of the skills that would be useful. Well, that's very good to know. I'll start practicing as soon as I can. <laughs> uh, amazing. Mari, thank you so much for your recommendations on that. Do you have one or more books to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I think that one of the most interesting books um, that I have seen, and it's very useful, is called Forecasting Principles and Practice by Professor Rob Hindman and Professor George Athanasopoulos, two of the excellent researchers and people that I have worked with. The book is fantastic. It has, you know, basically the principle, you can see the principles of forecasting in this book, and it has some R codes as well. So it's a fantastic book to uh, set you up and get you going on forecasting. Yeah, oh, amazing. I think I'm as far as chapter 13, almost at the end. 
and the code is great. It uses the packages that are, are called Tideverts. Yeah. It's really nice packages developed around here, not too far from here, from where we are. So yeah, yeah it's very exciting. And Mari, where can we find, find more other than the book? Where can we find more about forecasting? Um, I think uh, the uh, International Institute of Forecasters uh, website is also an excellent resource. They have different publications and uh, different like, you know, journals for researchers, journals for practitioners, uh, podcasts, and you know, different researchers active in this area. So yeah, the website is, uh, I think it's a great source. It's forecasters.org, O-R-G. So yeah, I think that would be a good also resource. That's amazing. Mari, thank you so much for your interview. It's really, really interesting. And I hope we can motivate more students to start forecasting. And maybe we will all see each other in the next symposium. Yeah, thank you too, uh, Francisco. It's been a pleasure being with you and good luck. Amazing. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening in to our latest episode. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to check UQESLs on Facebook and Instagram for our latest events as well as our publications. We have a Women in Finance and Economics evening coming up soon.